Hey, workshop community. Toolman Tim here. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. Tonight is April 14th, 2022, and this is episode 95 of the workshop podcast. And tonight we are going to talk about developing a preparedness routine, a maintenance schedule, whatever you want to call it, but basically about making sure that the important stuff doesn't get missed. But of course, before we do that, let's dive into the quick announcements for this week. So what do we have? So very first, we just launched. So if you, if anybody out there who listens is a fan of the Going Home book series, we just launched a book club where once a month, we're going to discuss one of the volumes of the Going Home book series. And that is over on Telegram. I pinned the link to the Telegram book club. So we're calling it the Workshop Book Club for now until we can come up with something snazzier. So it's pinned in the comment there. And I will make sure it's in the description tonight. Number two, uh, Saturday night will be my last live stream for two weeks. At least, sorry, back up. My last scheduled live stream for two weeks. So I've got some pre-recorded content, nothing you've heard before. It's all new content. We'll be coming out over the next two weeks while we're in vaca on vacation. Going to be heading down to the LFTN Spring Workshop. Going to be talking about entrepreneurship there and finally meeting some of my longtime imaginary internet friends. So I'm rather excited. And if you are in basically the Tennessee or the Florida area over the next two weeks, and you want to meet up in person, I would love that. So send me a notice or a PM somewhere and we can meet up. That would be great. Also, uh, I don't always mention this, but I should. I'm monitoring the chat tonight across all the platforms. We got YouTube, we have Facebook, Float, Odyssey, and Element for the Prepper Broadcast Network. We're live in five places right now, so it's great. I appreciate your guys' support. So all that being said, if you have any questions, holler at me. Throw them out here as we're going along and I'll gladly touch on them. And uh, today's tool section, because that has been a thing that we're doing now, and I try to spotlight or highlight at least one item I've been using in the last little bit, and if you guys have heard me talk any length of time, you know I like black and yellow brand DeWalt, but another black and yellow brand that I'm quite fond of is Cat Brand, and I use the Cat Brand ratchet straps. They are the best price to quality ratio I've found, and they have not let me down yet. You can get them at Amazon, Costco, different places. The link will be in the description of the show notes. And if you're interested, check it out because it's a way to support the workshop community and the content I put out. So thanks, guys. Okay, so a little bit of backstory on where this episode came from or how it started, I guess, would be the way to put it apart. But first off, uh, James, we call him the intrepid commander over on PBN. A while ago, he wanted some content for... Behind the scenes, so we have um, a membership area over there and wanted something. People were getting kind of concerned about runaway inflation, rightfully so. And we wanted to go through and put together a checklist of quick things people could do to make sure that their systems are in place and hopefully hedge against inflation. Get things done now before the price goes up way too high. So I started putting that together. And then Dan, you know who you are, Dan, over on MeWe. And I believe he's in our Telegram group now, too. He sent me an example of a, a regular routine schedule, maintenance kind of uh, spreadsheet, whatever you want to call it, 
that he uses. And it was a huge example. I loved it. So it kind of, that that's the catalyst of putting all this together. So as far as developing the art of repairedness, like we like to talk about, uh, one of the most important things, of course, is putting systems in place and developing a proper schedule for that. Paul Harrell, if you guys follow him, uh, I've watched a ton of his videos over the years. He's a big YouTuber in the gun end of things and personal protection. He talks about the importance of fostering program compliance. So basically what he said is, you know, if you if you want to use an everyday carry of a, you know, 50, cal 50 caliper Desert Eagle and it's uncomfortable and you're going to leave it home 95% of the time because it's that big and heavy and bulky, whatever he said, then don't worry, you know, don't use that. Find yourself a comfortable everyday carry that's small enough that you're actually going to use it. So basically he's talking about designing a system so that it's easy to do the right thing. And that's what we're talking about with this. And now it's more important that you do it than having a, than following someone else's schedule. I talk about this all the time. So hopefully what you get out of this is finding the right idea, finding the right method and kind of pattern that works for you throughout the year. Now, I mean, there's a few different ways. Lots of people like to do monthly, so they'll break up yearly tasks and they'll put one or two in each month. Some people like to do seasonally. Uh, some people like to do twice a year, and I've kind of developed my own hybrid system. So I'm going to break down, first off, when we get into it, I'm going to break down a little bit about where, how I do this, where I come from, my kind of schedule, and then we'll talk a little bit about the important things that if you are concerned about you know, runaway inflation and stuff getting super expensive, then we'll talk about kind of a hierarchy of needs, the things that are the most important, and then work our way down. So tonight, who do we have here? We got Waytime Design. Nice to have you. We got Mike, the Filipino nomad. He's in here. Howdy, John Palmer. And I see Dan W. just dropped in. So it's nice to have you guys. Always love it. There's always people listening all across all the platforms where we're still doing that 45 degree growth, and it's all because of you guys. So thank you. All right, so for me, like I said, I've developed, we'll call it repairedness. My repairedness schedule is basically seasonal. And part of that has to do with living in Canada, where the cold will freeze your face off pretty quick. But I basically do spring and fall. That's when I do my big maintenance items. And then I have kind of a, a short monthly list that I knock out every single month. Hence the name monthly, right? <laughs> but again... I, I say this so many times, what I, what I would rather do as a teacher or a sharer, because I'm you know no better than anyone else, but what I would rather do is inspire you to find a way that it works for you. So you can listen to me and say, okay, Tim, Tim does this. So Tim does spring, does all the spring maintenance, fall, does all his fall maintenance, and then a short monthly schedule in between. But you know what? That might not work for you. You might want to have more of a significant monthly schedule and just work your way around. Maybe that's the way you work, or maybe... You want to do one item a week, every week, all year. I don't know. But more so, look at the items that I'm talking about and then get inspired and kind of mold it for your personal bug-in location and property. So when I start, we'll start in spring. And these are some of the things that I work through. Uh, change out your winter emergency kit for your summer one. So this is vehicle. We're going to deal with all the different systems, including interior, exterior. But for us start in spring. That seems to be in Canada, and it's like that everywhere. You get a fresh start, 
you're excited. You get all that energy. Every time that sun's a little higher in the sky and a little bit warmer, you're like, shit, I got to get out there and start doing stuff. So first thing I do is go in the, the vehicle and I, I start switching things out. If it feels like it's going to be warm enough, I start stocking the summer windshield washer instead of the all season, but I tend to leave that a little bit longer as well. Then I go around. Now I have a really nice Oxford polyester cover that's fitted for my exterior central air unit. Hey, Mertenson family, nice to have you. So if you guys are ever looking for a good cold weather cover for barbecues, fire pits, look for Oxford polyester. It's the type of stuff that stays flexible in the ultra cold. So I have that. So then I go around, I take that off my uh, central air unit, give it a good inspection, make sure shit hasn't fallen down in the vents on top, or I don't know, a huge icicle fell off the eaves and broke it. Just give it an inspection, make sure the wires are going in good, the free online's good, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and then in the spring is when I do my yearly service of the generator, because for the most part, the generator runs the most in the winter. So spring comes along, let's strip that thing apart clean the air filter, do an oil change. Beyond that, run a little seafoam through it, make sure the battery's charged up, give it a good cleaning with some brake clean all around, get all that gunk off it. But really, it's just a matter of having a set time to do that because it's one of your biggest investments other than your vehicle and your house, and you want to make sure that thing is running like you could. <laughs> John, John Palmer says, I thought you only had one season up there. Technically, we have two. I think it's winter and roadwork season. But winter's about 10 and a half months long and road works about a month and a half. But yeah, it goes. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was snowing again here today. It's miserable. It was minus. We got down to almost minus 20 a couple of nights ago. This is foolish for April. So we have to be a little bit careful about how early we pull the trigger on some of this <laughs> spring maintenance because you can end up leaving things out. Like it was cold enough the other night that if I'd left a can of pop in my truck, it would have exploded again. So. I've had enough of the cold weather. That's why we're flying to Nashville and then Florida. Um, so from there, uh, turn on your irrigation systems or, or check them out. So if you've got like in-ground sprinkler systems, that kind of stuff, make sure that it's going to be warm enough for the long term. I kind of leave those a little bit later, but I kind of make that spring checklist and start working my way through. And then after a long winter, get your chimney deep cleaned. If that's something you got to do, if you can do it from the basement, do it from the roof. I mean, some people can go years without ever having to clean their chimney, but I always say it's good to inspect it. At least if you, once you know your chimney and you know the type of wood you're burning, just shine a mirror up there at least once a year and make sure there's no creosote building up on the sides of the, the chimney liner. And then if you're not sure, give it a quick brush and see where it ends up. Then go around, check your, you know, turn on your exterior taps, check all. Now, if you live in somewhere where it's not super cold, well, then you don't really need to worry about that a whole hell of a lot. But, uh, oh, my God, John Palmer says he's seen almost 100 degrees Fahrenheit already. We got up to 18 or 19 degrees Celsius, which is, is nice for us. But And where do you live, John? I can't remember where John lives, but 100 degrees Fahrenheit already. Yeah, yeah a little warm for us. Um, so, yeah, go around, check out your exterior pipes. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Anything that's close to exterior walls that might have frozen is now thawed. And then all of a sudden, because, you know, one thing about a frozen pipe is if it's frozen, it's not going to leak. So you're not going to notice it until it warms up. And then all of a sudden you got a pinhole leak that's been pissing water. Oklahoma, John, right on. It's been pissing water down the inside of your wall for two weeks, three weeks. And all of a sudden you got mold and rot and all that kind of stuff. So check that out. And then in the spring, I do an inspection on my smoke detectors too. Go around, 
you know, once a year, change the batteries, test them, make sure they're working. Check your CO2 detector, your, sorry, your CO detector, <laughs> CO2. Check out your CO detector, just give it a push. They say you're not supposed to actually test them with any carbon monoxide. I don't know, that's up to you, but at least push the button and make sure it dings. And those are the kind of things that I look at when I'm first starting for spring. And then summer for me, and the reason I do this is because, first off, I want to be able to enjoy my summer as much as I can. I've got 150 honeydew list projects to do, all of which I'm pretty excited to do. I worked on my garage door this week already, so it's nice to have a lot of that out of the way. Got my garage door uh, opener installed. We'll talk about that on Saturday when I kind of fill you in on the week's happenings. But for summer, that's it. That's where we're at. Or I, I try not to do any of this routine maintenance in the summertime. Want to enjoy yourself, spend time with your family, because up here, that good weather is short. So then turn around and fall, and these are the type of things I do in the fall. So, you know, air conditioner, seal it back up. <laughs> Put that cover back on for the, the two months that we actually needed it. Make sure it's in good shape. Uh, move your winter bag back into your vehicle. Get your furnace inspected. Now, if this is something, oh, thanks, John, said great job on the door. I was pretty proud of that. Uh, get your furnace inspected. Now, you can do that yourself if you're comfortable. Or again, this is one of those things that if you want, bring in a an expert, have them look at it. Just look it over, right? Put away all your small engine stuff. So come fall, it's time to winterize everything. You know, you give your mowers a good wash, put some seafoam in them, disconnect any batteries, bring any batteries inside, any of that kind of stuff. Uh, just make sure everything's clean and not going to rust while you put it away. Uh, then you're going to bring out your winter stuff. That's goes without saying. And for me, that's basically a couple of snow blowers. Backpack blowers I run year round. So do a little bit of maintenance on them. And before I put away my winter stuff, I tend to change out the spark plugs, change the air filters, and just give everything a good damn cleaning before it goes away. Um, this one, of course, if you live in Oklahoma, it might not be as big a deal, but put anything away that you don't want to be tripping over all friggin' winter long. <laughs> if Up here, if you leave something on the ground too late into the winter, all of a sudden, everything, it's froze there, and you're going to be tripping on it until it's covered with snow. And I don't know how bad Manitoba got it, but they're still getting, they, they got a nasty dump in the snow, according to the news anyway, I don't know. Hey, Chris Dixon, how are you? Uh, and then go around, make sure your plumbing's insulated, wrap everything up. Just make sure it's tight. Check your um, your heat your heat tape, the trace tape, to make sure that's working. Make sure the light's on with it. And just overall inspection. Go around the exterior of your home. Look for anywhere that wind can infiltrate, all that. Um, and then, again, check your smoke detectors again if you want, just to make sure they're working. I, I normally swap the batteries once a year. Although I've been testing the rechargeable 9-volt batteries. And i got to tell you guys, I've been fairly impressed with them. I got... I don't know, six to eight months at least on a charge out of them, which is not a big deal. And they just start beeping when they're ready, uh, when they're, they're starting to die. So I've been pretty happy because that's one less thing that I need to throw away and replace. But I bought a four pack. If I think of it, I'll throw the link up there too. But it, it was uh, my normal Eneloop. Just they're, they're not available in a nine volt battery. So I found these guys. They've been great. They just charge through a USB port and a little four port charger. And they've, yeah, the investment was worth it. And then winter. Hey, Brian, how are you? <laughs> oh, Brian and Corey tonight. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, so yeah, a winter. <laughs> now up here, 
it's different, of course. Chris Stixon can tell you this, but for me, winter is the time for survival and emergency management only. So I make sure everything's put away and then I just keep kind of looking, right? You look for burst pipes, you look for cracked windows, you look for too much snow on the roof, but you're not doing anything unless you absolutely have to. Just preventative maintenance. You know, if you get too big of icicles up there on the eaves troughs, you knock them down. Too much snow on the roof, you get the roof rake out, you knock it down. Your pipes get frozen, you thaw them out. Other than that, I'm not doing that kind of stuff. I, I save the winter for indoor honeydew projects, like uh, putting new flooring on the third floor for the girls. We got that done. Built that uh, prepper pantry down here. And I'm sure there's a few other things I did this winter. Yeah. Now, from there, so like I said, some people like to do monthly, weekly, whatever the hell you want to do. But me, it's basically spring, fall, and then monthly stuff. Monthly is, have a good night, John. Nice to have you. Monthly is the uh, quick automotive inspections, the first thing. So I go around, check the vehicle out, usually pop the hood, check the fluids, everything looks good. Make sure I got no issues, look at the tires right quick. Check my survival kit in the back. Make sure everything's there. I've now moved everything. If you guys haven't seen this yet, I was pretty proud of myself, but I got one of those old, old Coleman coolers that have the snap-down latches on the side so they can't open. Because what was happening was my preps in the vehicle were getting to the point where there was just too much of it. So I moved my booster cables, my ratchet straps, my washer fluid, and a bunch of other sundry items. I put them all in there and I leave them out in the box of the truck. Stuff that if somebody stole them, wouldn't be the end of the world. They don't mind the cold. They can handle a little bit of water on the, the roof of it. And it's freed up the back. Because the problem was, is every time we'd go somewhere for a, a drive with the kids or whatever, there'd be too much of my shit back there. And it was getting to the point where I couldn't comfortably store it. And again, you don't want anything loose in your vehicle in case of an accident. Learn that in the oil patch. They would never let us have anything loose or heavy that could become, you know, a flying object or <laughs> end up hurting somebody really, really bad when, uh, you know, you had a rollover or something. So most of that stuff has now gone. <laughs> way time design says half of my trunk is preps. Yes. My mother-in-law is the same way. She has a great big um, Rubbermaid in the back of a tiny little vehicle. And she has a whole bunch of stuff like that. So it it's okay. It's nice to have that. Just... <laughs> I guess we everything has to be, again, talking about program compliance, right? If we end up having too much stuff, we end up, you know, leaving things behind that aren't, that maybe are important. Or if you got a little bit too much stuff in the way, you end up taking everything out, throw it off to the side, going for a long trip. You're like, well, we don't need that or this or that. So what I, I try to keep it to a small enough kind of contained area that I'm going to end up using it. Now that, that little container, one thing I did I've been trying to find a good spot to hide a spare key. And what I did was I bought a spare key that doesn't start the vehicle. It just opens the doors. And I wasn't really sure where to put it. So I ended up kind of making it camouflage in a little container. Put that inside that um, cooler again. A couple mornings ago, hopped it out of the vehicle, started it up because it was cold, went to the garage, came back, doors were locked just like that. And I'm like, oh, thank God I put that key in that cooler. <laughs> so... Popped it open, opened it up. I don't know if I bumped it or if little Maisie, the dog, did while she was in there. Not sure, but either way, I didn't have to, you know, call Becky and try to get a key. Didn't have to call a locksmith simply because I had a $3 copy made and I thought ahead to put it in there. Saves you a lot of headache. That's why we do this stuff, right? 
Um, so yeah, vehicles, uh, monthly furnace filters. That's another one. Keep it like furnace filters are cheap. Even if you buy like the pleated, more expensive ones, they're still not that expensive. So get a bunch on hand. I'm going to say, do as I say, not as I do, but I've been shooting to have a year's worth of those on hand. I've only got about three months right now. So I'm saying that now to remind myself to get a bunch more, get them, have them on hand, and then just swap them out. Run the generator. This is one of those that I do every month or every second month. And this is probably the easiest and the most important item on the whole list. Because if you go an entire year and don't run your generator, and then all of a sudden you got a blizzard or a huge power outage or whatever it happens to be, you pick your poison, your generator is not going to run. But if you run that every month or every two months, you're going to have no issues at all. Or, I mean, as long as you know the generator and how it's running, how it's been stored, you got a charged up battery, it is the best insurance for backup power supply is making sure that damn generator ran every single time. Then once a month, I, I mean, I do this every day all the time anyway, and it should be a habit some people get into, but walk your property. Now, my property is friggin' short. I can walk from one end to the other and less than 30, you know, 30 seconds, whatever. But when you walk your property, look around. You know, I'm always looking up at my roof, checking for shingles, looking at the chimney, looking at, well, I was looking at the eaves troughs till I took them off last year. They need to get put back on new ones this year. You know, check your lawn out, check your deck, your garage door, look at your exterior plumbing, just anything, just be in the habit. And that's one of the best things is because we get blind, you know, what was the old Glade plug-in commercial about being nose blind? How if you smell something all the time, you eventually can't smell it anymore. And that's the same with your house or property. We get so comfortable with everything that we don't always notice the small changes. And one of my rules of life is to always fix a loose screw. And that's the type of thing, like we can, we'll leave things, you know, you'll notice a, a board on your deck that's getting just a little saggy. And you're like, ah, it's fine. I don't need to worry about it. And then it gets a little saggier. You're like, well, it's only 10% saggier than it was. The problem is that compounds over time. And eventually, down you go, break a leg, twist a knee. So if you just replace that board the very first time that you noticed it getting saggy, wouldn't be an issue. So always replace a loose screw. Always fix a loose screw. That's, that's important. And <laughs> I'm telling you guys, this is something I've learned from so <laughs> from being so damn lazy over the years like i remember the first house we bought the bathroom door was getting looser and looser and becky must have asked me 20 times to fix it yep you don't have to remind me every six months i'll get to it finally one day one of the kids went to open the door and the damn hinge pulled right out of the wall darn near knocked the kid over and yeah so <laughs> that it's just preventative maintenance you know what do i say preventative maintenance is pre pre prevention sorry, preventative maintenance is preparedness and preparedness is prevention. And that's exactly what we need here. Just, you know, if you, if you notice one screws loose in a hinge, fix that with one of those little hinge anchors before the next two pull out. And then you might end up breaking the door or breaking another hinge, all of that. Uh, and then here's the other one. Oh, two quick ones. Look for plumbing leaks. So I walk around, if, if you're lucky, you know, and you got a basement where you can see all your accessible plumbing, just walk around and look for damp spots or Look for rust on your pipes. Look for green, you know, on the copper, anything like that. Just look for things that don't look right. And then here's the other one. Uh, and this may be something you need to do more often, but pay special attention to old items. So, I mean, 
say you got a deep freeze that's getting way past its time, you know, check that every two weeks, check it every week, whatever. My hot water tank here is getting to the point where it needs to be replaced, but I haven't replaced it yet. Every time I come to the basement, I look it over. I, okay, there's a little bit of buildup there, but no more than there was. No new leaks, all of that. So yeah, if you, if you know you have an item, you're like, you know what? I want to ride this sucker out for a while longer because I'm not ready to spend money on it. Well, try to keep an eye on that a little bit closer. So add that to your weekly or your monthly inspections and just make sure that things are going okay. Uh, Mike says, when I was in the islands, uh, I think that's Hawaii, on the bus and on foot patrol backpack with a pair of swim trunks and a few small tools and preps. In the old Hoopty hatchback, ice ice chest carried the same few items. Yes, they're great. I love those. Like, I don't I don't even know how oh, I, I don't even know how I came up with the idea. Just I had an old one sitting around. I picked up at a yard sale, and yeah, just find what works for you. Because for me, I was looking. I was always trying to find more space inside the truck, and I was just running out of space, and things were getting cramped. And then it was a real pain in the ass. The biggest thing was the booster cables. So you guys know I recommend use long booster cables, 20, 25 feet long. Use thick booster cables. Well, what's the downside to that? They're heavy, they're big, they're bulky, and they don't fit in that. Unless I hold my tongue absolutely proper, they don't fit into the little cubby hole down in the floor very well. So I'm always forcing it, and so then I'd get lazy with that. So when I'd use them, I'd just throw them on the back of the uh, the back seat. And then, of course, you know, they're in the way, so the kids were getting ready to leave right quick. And we're like, all right, let's clean up the vehicle. And booster cables go out with a bunch of other stuff and they sit in the garage and then I forget to put them back. So this way, fosters program compliance. It's the easiest way to make sure that you always have what you need is to have it in a convenient place and to not have it in the way. So the kind of the second part of what we we're going to talk about today was this whole idea. And, you know, I don't want to harp on it, but we know inflation's true. Who knows? where the number is right now, but we know prices and everything have gone up and people are worried about, worried about that. So what kind of maintenance can we do? Where do we go? What kind of inspections, that kind of thing? Uh, K-Bonk says, uh, change the anode in the hot water heater. Uh, don't forget about that. It helps the tank from rusting. Yes. So if you can get yourself, if, if you know how to do it, it, and it's not difficult, just make sure you have the right type of either deep socket or wrench and it's called a sacrificial anode for anybody who doesn't know, but I think they're either magnesium or aluminum and you can put them down. They, they go right down through the top of your hot water tank and all of the, the corrosion type things will catch onto that and eat that up instead of your tank. So keep an eye. Yeah. Check that out every so often because you can pull them out and it might've even broke right off or down to a thin wire, but that is cheap, cheap insurance when you're looking out for long-term, if you want to keep your hot water tank running great for a long time. So like I said, when we're doing this kind of stuff, repairedness, we're going to start with, you know, the, the ears, eyes, and nose inspection of all the systems, the three senses, that's what I call it. But we're going to work our way through real quick. Main systems we're going to talk about, of course, is the HVAC, you know, heating and cooling, plumbing, electrical, Home and property, exterior stuff, generator, small engines. I kind of made that its own new section now, and um, but it works. And then automotive, of course. <laughs> uh, Blowtorch says, uh, my anode won't come out to save my life. I've been trying for a year. That might be, 
it could be a sign that you've just got a lot of either scale or build up or rust around that. Uh, you can try some really good, try spraying it with some penetrating oil. If you've got something like that, I just don't want to give you a bad suggestion. You can always try putting an extension on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dan says, yeah. So, you know, I don't want to tell you to put too big of a thing, but if you guys have ever heard of a snipe or a, like a handle extender. So if you've got your ratchet in there and it's not giving you enough purchase, get yourself a piece of like three quarter inch copper or, you know, steel conduit, stick that onto the end of the ratchet and then go slow from the end of it. Cause you don't want to twist it off, but I guess if it won't come out, you can try it. You can try tapping on the top of it gently with a rubber mallet or a hammer. See if you can break it loose. Another trick that an old timer taught me that worked. Yeah. Cheater bar. That's what uh, Brian brought it up and called snipes from the oil patch. But yeah. So a guy I used to work with, he said to try tightening it slightly before loosening it. So if you've got an old, something that is just locked into place, Sometimes you're better off to go just a little tighter first because what that'll end up doing is break free whatever's holding it into place, then try backing it off. Uh, that has saved my butt probably 10% of the time I've had something stuck. But, you know, try tapping it. Try using, uh, I don't want to say heat. You can use heat, though. Uh, if you got a, like a blowtorch or a heat gun, that might help. But try penetrating oil and then, yeah, just a bunch of those. Took the words out of my finger. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, the guys down there said they call them breaker bars. Yes, that's a great idea. They, they work. Just don't overdo it. Because like I said, I've been known to break things that weren't Tim proof, you know. And uh, Dan says tightening something first works a lot of the time. Good tip. Yeah, it is. I, I'd forgotten about that one. But it, it is a it's a great one. And I've used it a lot because sometimes it's the only one of the only tricks in the toolbox that'll work. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of this while I was talking to guys. Uh, don't add heat after you've had penetrating oil. Uh, <laughs> if anybody can figure out why, if you can't figure out why, we can talk in private. But basically, you don't want to end up, you know, adding something that's flammable and then adding heat afterwards. So you, you can try one or the other or try heat first and then penetrating oil. But in my experience, penetrating oil... If it's really stuck, I haven't had a whole lot of good luck with it. I've had much better luck with heat with heat, and with tightening and then loosening. So, yeah, um, like I said, we're going to do eyes, ears, and nose. So we're going to, whatever system we're talking about. So if you're, you know, worried about your plumbing, your heating, just going to walk around, like I said, and look. Just use your eyes. Look for anything that's out of the ordinary. Look for burn marks. Look for rust, <laughs> like your uh, anode stuck in place there. Uh, look for rubber dust. So like if you pull off the cover and you look at your fan belt, oh, is there little pieces of rubber coming off there? Like I just hooked up my new garage door opener. And after I ran its chain drive, after I ran the chain for a bit, I looked up there and there was a little bit of black stuff. I thought, is that metal filings? But it, it wasn't. It was just some of the little gunk that comes pre-packed that kind of worked its way off as it went around. But you want to give things inspection, especially right after you've installed something new because that can be when the bad stuff happens not always but just keep an eye on it um like i said metal filings rubber dust uh now here's another one that not everybody thinks about but you can either look for black marks or shiny marks so if you see somewhere that the metal is unusually shiny or there's paint rubbed off or there's black marks that probably means that you've got metal on metal contact that shouldn't be there 
Uh, loose hardware. That's another one. Uh, I caught that on my generator last year or maybe, yeah, anyway, it was 2021. And just after I'd ran it, I did an inspection. I looked at the muffler cover. One bolt was missing and one was stuck out halfway. I should have checked them from the factory, but I didn't. Ended up losing one, had to replace it. So, you know, visual inspection is huge. Then you want to look for your leaking fluids. That's oil, grease, water. Just look for, again, shiny spots where stuff is glistening. Because sometimes you won't have like a full-on drip yet, but it might be coming out around a fitting and you'll just notice like maybe a little bit of black stuff, a little bit of shiny stuff, all of that. Just, yeah. Um, and then stand back and look at something running. So that's what I did with my garage door. Once I had it up and going, then what did I do? Well, I started opening it and closing it. And my brother-in-law came over today. And so we were, we were listening to it. And after the first panel, you'd hear a little clunk. Okay, there's something wrong. So then he'd get in closer and I'd open it again and he'd look and he'd see where it was. And it turned out that the track was just a little too close to the garage door. So we loosened off the leg bolts, pushed it a little bit. Bob's your uncle. Everything was good. But again, eyes, ears, and nose is a funny one. <laughs> so ears, you know, run whatever the system is. Listen for anything out of the ordinary. Do you have a squeal? Do you have something strange? Like uh, my furnace, I've noticed seems to be getting just a little bit louder lately when it's just ready to cut out. So it's due for a good inspection. It's worked hard this winter. But, you know, listen, listen for on the startup, listen for bangs. You know, on furnaces, sometimes it's just the air pressure equalizing. But yeah, just listen for it. Listen for squeals, slipping, scraping. Sometimes if you hear that right away, you can realize, oh, that's just, I need to add some hard grease or some oil. Just get in there and lubricate something. Or maybe the lubrication is dried out and it needs some more added. So just check that. Um, listen for vibrations or uh, an increase or decrease in speed. Or some kind, sometimes a pitch, you know? Like uh, sometimes when things get under load, they don't, make, they don't make any noise unless there's load on them. Then all of a sudden you add load and then it starts slipping and then you're not getting the power you need. Uh, dryers can be like that. Sometimes your belt hasn't gone yet, but it's starting to strip or slip, sorry. And then... You know, it's not bad if all you got is a sweater or two in there, but all of a sudden you add a, a king-size comforter and the damn thing doesn't want to turn. So check that out. Uh, okay, Bonk says, have a bottle of blue Loctite for any vibration bolts or nuts. Generator, great place for that. Yeah, yeah. I, I love, I do love Loctite. And if I remember my Loctite correctly, red is permanent and blue is not. So yeah, blue is great. And if I got that right, guys, I'm sorry if I'm backwards on that, but... Yeah, if, if, if you put it on, use the non-permanent stuff and it'll keep anything with vibration off. Or you can always use lock washers or locking nuts. If you've never tried out locking nuts or locking washers, you probably should have at this point. But try them out. They're great. I love them. And there's as many locking washers and nuts out there as there are, I don't know, types of hardware. It's kind of fun to, to find different ones that work good. You know, you get your, your nylock ones. You've got the ones with the... Uh, the little kind of teeth washers built in. There's just a bunch of different ones. So check them out and see if they'll work for you. And then the nose one, that's always kind of my, uh, you know, you got something maybe just a little bit serious on the go. Like this, you know, and it's funny because it's not always the case, but walk around and use your sniffer. You know, I always joke with Becky that she smells things 10 times faster than I do, but there's some science behind that. But walk around, you know, smell burning rubber electrical oil grease any of that kind of stuff you know if you get grease well you probably got to smell you know something leaking 
uh, rubber, well, there's a good chance that that belt's slipping and it's going to go soon. So pay attention to smells more than anything else. Then pay attention to noise and then pay attention to your eyes too, right? But all of that's important. Now, I got to tell you though, once in a blue moon, early this winter, it was just after I did my episode on uh, the home heating system, we went to bed and all of a sudden we could kind of smell a little bit of smoke or like burning dust. And we could not find the source of it for anything. It was, we could only smell it when the blower was going for the furnace. You know, the, everything was clean. We couldn't find it. We, we took it all apart, inspected it, barely slept that night. I give the furnace like two more go overs, two more inspections. And I couldn't find the, the cause of it and it didn't seem to be anything. So all I can figure is maybe some extra dust get in there or something on, I don't know anyway, but we couldn't find the cause of it. And sometimes that does happen. But if it's a persistent smell that's continuing over time, that's when you really want to get, you know, if you smell it a second time, a third time, pay a lot of attention to that just to make sure. Uh, yeah, Dan says, uh, no red Loctite unless you never want it to come out. Yes, I was pretty sure red was permanent. I think it just, uh, they, they made it red so that it kind of mirrors what your face looks like when you're, <laughs> when you're trying to loosen something off. Uh, Waytime says, and whenever I hear an unusual sound, I, me I immediately start sniffing. Some this is great. <laughs> Sometimes equipment releases a bit of magic smoke that can help zero in on a problem that is developing. That's I love that Waytime. That is perfect. What are we at here? We're um, 737. I'll remember that timestamp so I can come back. That's a great tip. But yes, if you hear something, what do they say? If you hear uh, see something, say something. Well, if you, if you hear something, smell something because there's a good chance that if it's making a noise, there's going to be heat, which is going to cause some kind of weird wonky smell. Um, now, uh, K-Bonk says heat will break red Loctite. Uh, thoughts on three-in-one as a general lube in the house. I don't mind three-in-one. I prefer my go-tos. There's, there's really two, but uh, spray lithium and fluid film. Fluid film is by far my all-purpose lubricant that I use for just about everything. You know, um, ball bearings, uh, wheels on a track, hinges on a car door. I'm telling you, there is nothing better than um, that kind of stuff when it's coming to a squeaky, squeaky door. Fluid film is the cat's ass. I just, I love it always. And it's worked great for me. And it's not super expensive. But I will tell you, my dad was a user, is a user of WD-40. And I just don't have any use for it. I, I don't, uh, it doesn't work nearly as well as they claim it should. And there's better part, products on the market. But yeah, for me, fluid film first and then spray lithium if I want something just a little thicker. But what I like about fluid film is it's still, it, it, it's very viscous. So it sticks to things when you spray it. And it also has like a chemical reaction. So when you spray it down in like hinges and stuff, it, it kind of bubbles and sizzles and it kind of eats up some of the old gunk that's in there and it, it helps it to work its way down in. But yeah, fluid film by far, if I can only use one lubricant around the house, is great. Uh, K-Bonk says fluid film on leather. I didn't know that, but that sounds good to me. <laughs> WD-40 is nasty. Aaron says, I'm constantly telling Nate I hear or smell something. So I don't know if it's um, in the female gene or not, but there is, I forget exactly how many it is. It's either three and five or five and seven, but apparently some people have like five scent receptors and some have seven. So that's where it comes from. Um, yeah. And uh, oops, so what we got here, Phil, uh, we got uh, 
Dan's happy to know about that heat tip. And I, I thought I'd heard that before about getting rid of red Loctite, but, um, and, oh, okay. Dan says WD-40 is a, an electrical lubricant. Well, that's good to know. I don't do a ton in the way of electrical, but yeah, it is. And then see everybody, it's like trying to ask somebody who their favorite kid is. You know, everybody's got a different opinion, but uh, Waytime says WD-40 is nasty. And then uh, Mike says WD-40 is my favorite, especially for fish crazy spray on lure baits. Oh, okay. I mean, I love the smell of WD-40. It's just let me down too often. Um, and Waytime says I have a sewing, sewing machine oil, gun oil, and cooking oil, essential, essential oils, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. Um, mineral oil is really great uh, for a lot of that kind of stuff. I try to use that on my sharpening stones because it, it, it never goes rancid and smelly. I've used, I used a bit of cooking oil one time in a pinch on my sharpening stone and it went rancid in the stone and there was no way to get that out of there. It was miserable. So yeah, just keep an eye on that. But another time years ago, I built a homemade apple mincer for, you know, taking your apples, mincing them up, and then putting them in a press for cider. And we had to use, or we were recommended to use cooking oil to lubricate that. So there was nothing that could get, you know, contaminate into the food. Um, Chris says, I put a straw in the three-in-one bottle for reach and a spritz bottle too. It's my go-to fine oil. And Chris knows his stuff. He does a lot of small engine mechanic work for sure. I did not know this. Main ingredient in WD-40 uh, is fish oil. So my go-to vinyl cleaner, vinyl treater, is Mother's. And that stuff smells so good, like strawberries. But the main ingredient in that as well is fish oil. It is so, so good. And Blowtorch Sky says Lucas now has gun oil. That's good to know. I have to keep an eye out for that. Uh, so yeah, like we said, uh, eyes, nose, ears, pay attention as we're going along. Now, <laughs> we gotta, I got to get this in the recording here. Aaron says her essential oil is bacon grease. You and me both. We're uh, soul, soul sisters there. That's great. I, yeah, bacon grease. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, so like I said, if, if you guys are, are thinking about um, inflation and it being a big issue, I made a list of importance of the different things in the house that you, if, if you can only afford to get one thing fixed or one thing serviced, where to start? And then work your way down the list from there. But I mean, for me, furnace has got to be the first thing because, you know, you're not going to go very long if your house is cold and you can't survive. So if you can only service one thing or get, or get one thing done, start with the furnace. And then number two, go to water pump after that, because of course, if you got no water, you're in trouble. And it depends, of course, on what type of pump you're dealing with too. So if you've got just a shallow well pump or sorry, a shallow, shallow dug well, well, you can always go out with a bucket or a little cistern hand crank pump. And pump it out. But if you got a deep well pump, that might be number one on your list of getting serviced. And then water heater, those tend to be something that a lot of people don't really uh, look at or they just don't think about until all of a sudden they're like, shit, I just hopped in the shower and I got no hot water. So get that dealt with. Yeah, <laughs> wait time. Yes. Uh, furnace, his list is, or their list, sorry, is sorry, <laughs> furnace, water pump, and then freezer, bacon storage. Yes. And uh, get yourself a good set of freezer alarms. Those are awesome for that kind of stuff. Uh, it just works really good. Um, and then, so water heater. And then after that, fix your, you know, water leaks, anything that come along there. And then, so if you're trying to get a lot of this stuff done now, because you might be worried that any, you know, in a year, everything's going to be twice as much, 
go ahead and get your septic system pumped out or at least inspected. You know, first off, go out there if you know where it is, or if you don't know where it is, go out there and find your lid. It's probably below the ground. Uh, hopefully, if you bought your property in the last while, you've got some paperwork that says, okay, it's like four paces or eight, whatever it happens to be. Find your lid, dig it out. So you know what you need to do and then give it an inspection. See, okay, it seems to be working good. Everything's good. Or, you know, things are running a little bit slow. Maybe it's time to get it pumped out. Then from there, I would say, now this is another one that not a lot of people are comfortable doing. If you are, great. If you're not, get it dealt with. But if you've let, you know, tree, tree limbs and that kind of stuff grow up against power lines for too long, get them trimmed because they are going to have a bad day the next time you either have a blizzard or a windstorm or anything like that. So, um, so deep well pump. Now you're not going to want to, I would never, so K Bonk's asking about what to do for a deep well pump. There's not a lot. I think you, okay. A few things. I think you would cause more problems pulling the pump to get it looked at, but number one, test it. And then number two, if you have it tied off, inspect that tie off rope inspect any of the lines coming in from it. And then whatever happens to be up and accessible, things like your pressure switch, make sure there's no burning on your pressure switch, make sure it's lubricated good, it's not sticking. Uh, and then pay attention to how it runs. Uh, if uh, like, you know, is your, is your pump running too often? Now you can't hear it, but what you do is you turn your water on and you look, is your water going up and down, up and down? That could be a pressure tank issue as well. But just anything that you can have done for a deep well pump, because like I said, I, I'm a fan of leaving a deep well pump down there as long as you can, but all of the sundry systems that are attached to it and work with it, those are the type of things we want to get looked at. I think I might've missed a question back up here too, guys. Um, oh, well, K-Bonk says, anyone know the difference between mineral spirits and paint thinner? That's a good question. And if anybody else wants to chime in on that, I want to say, I know I've dug into this before when I used to work at the hardware store. I want to, I almost thought they were two different words for the same thing, but I don't want to tell you guys completely wrong. So if anybody can chime in, great. But if you can't, um, I can dig that up later on. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can, yeah, you can, uh, another thing, uh, your flow rate, K-Bonk wants to know, test your flow rate. Now that is, there's a few things going on there, but that's one of those things that you might want to test once a year and just to make sure everything's running because you want to have a benchmark because just because a brand new pump tells you you're going to get so many gallons per minute, you may or may not get that many gallons per minute. So the first thing you want to do is when you first move into a property or first get a pump installed is go in and, you know, somewhere that, you know, you're getting pretty good uh, flow. Like I like to do it in excuse me, some, I used to do this to test shower heads to see how little bit of water they used, but use your uh, tub filler nozzle and see how long it takes to fill a five gallon bucket. Write that down. And then six months, a year down the road, take that same five gallon bucket, go back into that same appliance and fill it up again. Make sure you're getting the water. You just, there's a few different ways to do it, but that was one way I always did just kind of a poor man's way to test it. But just know you want to have a standard to start with and then work your way up from there. Um, okay. So from there, like I said, trees trimmed. Um, and then if you get any missing shingles, climb your ass up there or hire somebody to get up there and put them up back down, you know, take a, a little tub of roof and tar with you and make sure that they're stuck down. If you start to see any type of, um, 
you know, any curling or anything like that, you might be able to fix that, but usually they're starting to wear out. So Chris Dixon, the man, once again, comes in and says, paint thinner is mineral spirits, but less refined. So I'm wondering if one's smellier than the other, but that's good to know. So mineral spirits is just a more, um, you know, just a, a more pure product, I guess. So that's helpful. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate that. Uh, and then one thing that we are shooting to get done every year, but if you ran out of maintenance items to get done around your house and you want to, you know, you have maybe a little more stimulus money you want to spend, or if you want to do this yourself, you can learn how to do it, but you need some gear, uh, have your ductwork cleaned out. Now, I used to do the poor man's version of that, and I would just go around with a shop vac and an upholstery brush and, um, you know, flashlight, and I would clean out absolutely as much as I could. And it still worked pretty good. But now we like to hire the guy that comes in with a big suction and, and does a really good system, whole system clean. But if you, if you can't, you know, just feel free to get down in there. And, you know, what's cool, back when I used to do the poor man's version, I didn't have a smartphone with a camera on it. But when I've been trying to get down into duct work and stuff now, a lot of times I can take my phone, I'll turn the what the, the rear facing, anyway, I'll turn the, the, the camera on and then I could kind of tilt the screen and I can look down and it's kind of, again, a poor man's inspection camera. So I can do that and then follow down with the hose. One day I was looking for a cat in some duct work and I was using that because I couldn't get my head down there. And I was looking for footprints in the dust. There wasn't any, but it's a good way to get down and kind of access areas that, you know, this old melon wouldn't fit into. And then again, take stock of your supplies, your skills, and your tools. These are the last few items that you want to do in any repairedness situation, but especially if you're just a tad bit concerned on the side of things are going to be more expensive. But, you know, take a look at all the parts you have. I posted a picture the other day of my home plumbing repair kit. It's kind of an emergency kit that I take with me whenever a tenant calls and says, hey, Tim, I got a pinhole leak. And I know 99.9% .9 of the time I can fix it with a couple of shark bite fittings and a little chunk of PEX pipe and, of course, a copper pipe cutter. And if you have that, so yeah, take stock. And you're like, okay, what do I need? Uh, well, I'm down to, to two half-inch shark bite couplings, and I like to have four or six on hand, pick those up now. Check out, make sure you got enough compression rings for your PEX pipes. Just replace anything you've been using and maybe bump up your, your on-stock hand, your, your on-hand stock items. So say normally you keep two of every item. Maybe you want to hedge against inflation and stock up three or four, or maybe you want to instead have enough plumbing to last you two years instead of a year. I don't know, but Go through what you have and just say, okay, what are the supplies that I could use right now? Now, here's another one. This I like this one better than any of them, really. But if, like I said, if you're worried about uh, prices going up, the best way to not have to worry about that is to do the work yourself. So if it's something you're not comfortable doing right now, well, get on the good old University of YouTube, start watching some videos, Maybe chat with a friend who knows how to do this stuff and start learning how to do them. Again, like I said, I went and tried to get a price on a garage door and they wouldn't even show up to give it to me. I finally said, well, could you just give me a ballpark? And last year it wasn't much more than $1,000 installed. And this year it was damn near $2,000 installed, even though they didn't give me anything on paper. That was enough for me to decide it's time to learn a new skill. So YouTube University, a few videos, and then step-by-step step through the manual. 
And I was pretty damn happy with it. You know, it's probably 90 to 95% as good as what a professional would have done, but it was 50% cheaper. So I enjoyed that. Dan W says, check your GFCIs as well. That's a good one, Dan. I never thought of that. I've, I don't think I have that on a single repairedness list. So uh, yeah, that's a uh, at 752. I'll try to remember this one too. Uh, because they only have an average lifespan of about 10 years. And if they don't trip with a button, they won't trip to save someone from electrocution. So yeah, again, we don't always think about that stuff, but that is super important. Uh, I, I was at a, an old house the other day, a bank repo, and we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for Alberta power to turn on the power. They finally did. I turned on the main breaker and I heard kind of a sizzling noise and I'm like, off it goes, and an electrician's going to come in to give an inspection because there's something going on there. But yeah, that that's great, Dan. Um, that's a good one, and I never thought to mention that to you guys, so that's good. This is why we have a community. I love it, guys. <laughs> and then, so yeah, um, and if you're like, I want to learn 10 different skills, again, for me, preparedness is all about the odds. So you want to get the most bang for your buck. So make a list of all the different skills you want to learn over the next year. And then look, however you want to figure this out, but look for which one will give you the best return on your value, right? So you can say, well, okay, installing a garage door might save me $1,000, but it may be the only one I'm ever going to do. But if I can learn how to properly service my furnace and it saves me two to $300 a year over five years, that's $1,500. So look at the skills and also look at how fast they're going to be to learn. So some things might be a lot longer and you don't want to invest that amount of time. Maybe you can learn four skills in that same time. Maybe you want to learn how to put metal roofing on. I'm not sure, but look at, figure out a way to find out which one of those skills is going to be the most helpful, the most beneficial, and the most financially important to you. And then start with that and then work your way down the list. And then there's not much you can't learn for free by either talking to somebody or watching a YouTube you know, playlist or two. And then your tools. This is always my favorite. <laughs> Organize your tools. Uh, Becky always jokes with me, but I spend more time out in my workshop. On Sundays is kind of my chill day for the most part. And I do, I spend a lot of time organizing and cleaning up my shop, listening to audiobooks while I'm out there. But put, I find the best way to do this is to put all your tools away in the spot they're supposed to be and then start walking around and looking, okay, am I missing anything? Nope. All right, give a quick inspection, anything broken. Uh, for me, it's mainly my power tools. So start looking at the blades. I noticed my six and a half inch circular saw blade is getting rather dull. And then I cut through a screw today and now it's really dull. But I didn't have an extra blade on hand. I thought I did. So I got to get out and do that. But, you know, check your tools. Are you missing any? Is this the time? So here's the other thing. If you want to learn new skills, is there a tool or two that you need to buy in order to help that skill along. Well, try to figure out a way to do it, whether it's, you know, <laughs> I use my examples, but, you know, scrap copper or batteries or empty cans, you know, your deposit, what uh, lumber, building something for somebody. And that is, you know, that, that any, any of those, find a way to buy the tools, buy a used tool, uh, trade a tool. You know, if you're, if you're making, uh, I had a discussion earlier today, but if you're making fuel or, uh, you know, that shiny kind of fuel that, uh, needs to be distilled in order to make it. Can you trade that for some tools? That kind of stuff, right? So John says, um, this is something to think about too. Uh, one place I'm weak is my support system. And that that's tough. I think about that a lot because 
you know, I, I feel blessed because I have a really good family. I have an incredible wife who supports me really great. And that's good. And sometimes I just kind of talk about it. And then I, I, I feel bad because I'm like, you know, there's a lot of people out there that don't have or, or intentionally, like John says, I'm a loner. Well, the, I don't know. There's a few ways to do it. Online communities are great because if you're not into really talking to people in person, <laughs> so online communities like us, the workshop or, you know, uh, the TSP community, Living Free in Tennessee, just find a place where you fit in, somewhere where you can, um, well, I should say it's important to give as much as you get, right? So if you're looking for answers all the time, I'd be in there and try to answer questions for people too, or, you know, not everybody in our in our kind of circle loves Facebook, but man, there's a lot of good Facebook groups out there. And then yeah, here's another um, kind of a, an overlooked area, but there are, it's just unreal. So I was going back through last night, um, Google, Google bought out all of the, what did they call them? News groups from the nineties and eighties. So all those old BBS and bulletin board systems, a lot of those chat threads Google has, and I was going back through some stuff from like 99 and 98 and those are a huge treasure trove of information. So if you're looking for an area, you know, just go in there and type in some sort of, you know, keyword like furnace maintenance, whatever it happens to be, and just follow the friggin' rabbit hole and read people's conversations that are 30 and 35 years old on the internet. It's pretty intriguing. Um, and then, you know, there's so many, like, I, I don't want to tell you, just go meet people. Cause you know what, maybe that's not your shtick and I get it. Um, YouTube's great, but then sometimes it's just a matter of finding the people you get along with or click with, you know? Um, and then some, also another way that I've learned quite a bit is when I hire service people and I don't always love it when people do this to me, but I will say, um, when I hire somebody like a furnace cleaner or when I, like I get the, the natural gas guy to come out, I'll usually have three or four questions in my mind before they get there that I want to ask. And I try not to bug them too much, but if they're going to be there for an hour, I'll usually pick their brain for five or 10 minutes. You know, I'm not a dick about it, but I got them there. I want to ask them a few questions. So that's another way to kind of pick people's brains. Like I wanted to know about the resiliency of our natural gas systems in the area. And so when the natural gas guy came, I, I just asked him a few things, you know? Uh, so maybe we could, maybe we can do an entire episode on that, John. I like that idea about how to develop your support system, even if you, maybe there isn't a lot of people around or you're just not into people. We, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that when I get back from vacation. Um, Mike says, tool, bargains, deals, steals, yard sales, moving sales, estate sales, widowed neighbor, unloading the storage areas. Yes, all of the above. Any of those things are great places to get good deals on tools, especially specialty tools. I went on a woodworking kick a few years ago. And I built a pretty good uh, workshop of woodworking tools from yard sales, estate sales. And I don't have any luck in auctions. Uh, I don't know if Chris, auctions are big here in Alberta. And I rarely ever make a lot of good money off them or save a lot of good money, sorry. So I don't know, whatever it is, right? Uh, <laughs> so Chris says, most people make me want to hit them with a shtick. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't love everybody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Brian says divorce listings on Craigslist. Yeah, there you go. That's always a good time when people are splitting up. It's not good for them, but you know, there's always somebody who can benefit from it. Uh, get into cleaning out old properties. Uh, that's been 
hugely beneficial for me. Either you find stuff you can sell or you find things you can salvage. Uh, K-Bonk says, any good resources for skill building topics, audiobooks, podcasts, or good repair video content guys? I'm going to have to put a list together for you, K-Bonk, because I'm trying. The problem is, is whenever I start wanting to learn a skill, I just type that topic. I type the whole question. How do I do blank into YouTube or Google? I actually sometimes have better luck putting things into Google. And that that's something that's weird. But if you're looking for something like if you're looking for a product on Amazon or eBay or a video on YouTube, a lot of times I have better luck typing it into Google and then adding the word eBay, Amazon, or YouTube to it, and you find things better. But I will put a list together for you. Uh, of course, my buddy, Joseph Mills, he's really good at certain types of tools. Uh, oh, um, Silver Symbol, S-I-L-V-E-R-C-Y-M-B-A-L. Uh, -E he's one of my favorite YouTubers. He is great. He does a lot, of, like he showed how to put in a hand drive well. He does a lot of like little... Um, how-to videos on electrical they're they're all kind of really neat niche not not niche stuff but he tries to have a twist on things like uh tries to make them simple and little hacks and that kind of stuff but he's one of my favorite because half his videos are how-to kind of diy maintenance stuff and the other half of his videos are generator and backup power videos so yeah those are great um and also guys i i've been picking up some of the old time life and black and decker home maintenance manuals those are great because I love to have, who doesn't want to have a good paper manual on hand, right? And each one of these Thursday videos, I know I've told you guys this, but every time I do one of these repairedness episodes, it's helped building my outline and my manuscript for my repairedness manual because I'm going to put one of those out at some point. Uh, Chris says, look for old videos, like older than 10 years for general knowledge stuff. Yes. And... Stay away from like those videos. Like, I don't know if you guys remember about those e-how videos. They were basically like um, content farms, like content creation farms where people just put shit out. They'd Google it for five seconds and then make a video about it. And I, I find they're either completely wrong or more to the point, they're just fluff. But just, yeah. Um, and sometimes I found the best videos aren't even the most watched videos. But I usually know within you know, a minute or two of this person's going to be getting to the point or just, you know, shooting the shit or whatever. Right. But just try to, yeah, I work your way through Google, work your way through YouTube. Um, but yeah, that silver symbols one I'll do, you know what I will do an entire video guys for you or a, a whole episode. Uh, I'll write it down on the best YouTubers and resources for how to kind of videos. Cause there's so many. And of course I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, Dan says, good old-fashioned books are good, too. You can scan through one quickly, and whatever catches your eye will start the ball rolling. Yeah, uh, that's for me. Audiobooks are great, too. I get a ton of my content ideas, or I'll make that brain connection. You know, that's what I say. Like, you don't have to specifically do what I'm doing, but hopefully it'll make one of those synapses connect in your brain. You're like, oh, yeah, I know I, I, know I can do this, this, and this, simply because Tim said X, Y, and Z. So yeah, you never know what's going to make a connection in your brain, right? Um, oh, uh, K-Bonk says, I have the Audels book from the 1930s. So entertaining. And Waytime says, I love those old paper manuals. No room for them, but I love them <laughs> with an R. But yeah, so, you know, I at one time was a book hoarder. 
I ended up getting rid of 98% of my books. And now I'm kind of working on a very specific preparedness library, you know, only really essential books and things I know I'm going to use. But yeah, you know, go to old, I, I, I worked at a library for three years in high school. I'm sure I've told you that before. We used to have a used book sale once a year. Half of them would be donations and half would be books that had, you know, their lifespan had been exceeded or weren't useful anymore, but you could always find something. And magazines, man, didn't I used to love magazines. I've been trying to buy a few lately. Uh, there's just something about having something tangible in your hand that you just can't lose. Uh, my friend Amy Dingman, who runs the Farmish Kind of Life, she's got a, a an old-fashioned paper newsletter that she sends out called the Farmish Papers. I subscribed to that. It was so good. <laughs> Toolman Tim's bedside reader, please. We could do it like, uh, do you guys remember Uncle John's bathroom reader? That would be great. Oh my God, I love that. Um, yeah, I got to figure out a way to take screenshots on. <laughs> I'm such an old man. Figure out how to take screenshots on my desktop here, guys, so then I can start saving some of your great ideas instead of having to scroll back through when we're done. Um, so what do you want, what, what, what to keep on hand real quick? We'll jump through this and you guys keep, if you got any more questions or comments, bring them up here because I'm good to go for a bit. But uh, yeah, so have your HVAC filters on hand, get extra ones to have, an extra belt for your blower motor. Oh, poor Martinson family. Got so She's got to go, uh, or who, uh, yeah, um, got to shovel the snow for the next door English woman. Thanks to, no problem, Martinson family. Always love having you here. They live in Manitoba and apparently they were supposed to get up to 32 inches of snow so they can friggin' have it. No offense. <laughs> um, yeah, plumbing, shark bite fittings, extra belt for your pump. So if you've got one of the old piston pumps, I love those things. Those are great to have with the, you know, the old pulley that you can stick your fingers in and break your hand off, those type of thing. Have some couplings and clamps to cut out a break in water line uh, and an extra pressure switch for your pump. I talk about that, but Jesus, I have seen, I don't know. Anyway, one of the worst things to have uh, or to have go is that pressure switch. You know, you can get that screwdriver in there and wiggle those points up and, and buy yourself some time sometimes, but then other times the damn thing just burns out and you are hooped. Um, electrical, if you're one of the, uh, you know, odd ones that still have fuse panels, may, there's no excuse not to have fuses, even though they're a little more expensive, buy a bunch. Um, inspect all of your extension cords. So I, I posted a picture the other day of some copper pipe and an extension cord I had that was going into my copper bin. And somebody said, oh, don't throw that the, the extension cord in the copper bin. You can fix it. And normally, yes, that's what I do. If there's a cut in it or if there's a bad end, but this one had burned up. So the end had melted and you could tell that the wire inside had started burning. When I have that kind of issue, into the scrap pile it goes. But, you know, make sure you inspect your extension cords. And here's another one that nobody... Okay, us as preppers, we probably do. And I have, uh, I don't know, I'm not quite as bad as my brother-in-law who has a fetish for exterior lighting, but keep light bulbs on hand. Every time I go to Costco, they've got like a dozen pack for $18. So I buy one. So now I have like three of them. Am I ever going to use them all? Probably not, but they're so good. <laughs> yeah, and K-Bonk says, don't get me started on uh, going cheap on cords. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't go cheap on cords either. I pay for thick, heavy ones. But yeah, um, from there, said do a property walk, check for your mission shingles, weather stripping on windows and doors, um, and then make sure your windows and doors close properly because if they're not, they are some of the ones, you know, if, if something's rubbing, well, it might not be a problem now, but in a year or two, 
all of a sudden you've worked through the plastic or the, the window shifted enough and maybe the pain falls out, whatever. Just again, always fix a loose screw, right? Uh, check your gates, open and close them. Make sure they lock properly. I went out to my daughter's today to surprise her. Her gate broke off in the wintertime and we couldn't get the snow and ice out there yet. So I fixed that up for her today. Um, I'll, I'll talk a little more about it down the road, but I, I have this term I call zero jobs. It's basically a job that doesn't cost me any money. And basically it's always done through my, my junk piles and things. So I have a milk crate full of either used or gently used hardware like hinges. I salvage all that, anything I can use. And then all my salvage lumber and I just have all that around. And then sometimes I can do jobs. And what I mean by zero job is it doesn't cost me anything. You know, this time it didn't make me any money, but a lot of times it can make me a lot of money, right? And uh, yeah, uh, make your own extension cords. That can be a big thing, right? Uh, for sure. <laughs> uh, Philippine Nomad says, uh, have plenty of TP around as well. And uh, thank you, Kbok. I'm not sure if you're, he's got the, uh, the little Star Trek symbol up there. I'm not sure if he's leaving or not, but thanks for coming in either way. Cause they're, yeah, one of those things. Um, and your limbs, shrubs, growth, anything that needs to be trimmed back. Just keep an eye out, right? There's uh yeah, just one of those things, right guys? So yeah, we got through the list. Uh, I didn't want to try to split it up into another another week of things, but thank you guys. This was this was a great episode. There's always stuff on the go. We got one more live show coming up this week, uh, Saturday evening. I haven't decided exactly what all we're going to talk about, but there's it'll be a good one. We'll, we'll we'll catch up. I'll fill you in, tell you about my vacation plans, projects I'm working on. You guys come with a brag list. Tell me the things you've been working on as well. From there, guys, where's the rest of the week lead us? Um, for all my listeners on Prepper Broadcast Network, thank you for listening on PBN. And if you're not listening on PBN, why aren't you? There's so much good preparedness content on there, guys. Like, so much. You got to check it out because James and Phil and Ryan and Dave and so many others, they all have great content they put out. So they're, they're definitely worth checking out. And tomorrow, Carl, A.D. Brown, he's got the Strange Truth which is deals with the news stories that nobody else wants to touch with a side of Christianity thrown in. It's a, it's a great show. Check it out. Um, yeah. And like I said, Oh, and for my PBN folks next two weeks will be pre-recorded um, interview episodes. I did one will be with Ryan uh, from next generation podcast. And one will be from Phil and Gillian from the matter of facts podcast. So that'll all be there. Um, and then, if you're looking for my content coming up this week or next week, it's going to be a five-part series of 15-minute episodes called Getting Started Preparing. And I wanted something shareable, bite-sized, and I've been wanting to put this series together for a while. So I'm kind of excited about it. It's, it, it's nothing super special. It's nothing groundbreaking, but I guarantee you'll learn something from it. But more importantly, you'll be able to share it with other people who, because there's so many people out there that are really nervous and they're like, ah, you know, shit seems to be happening. I just want to have it all put together, right? So from there, guys, I tell you, every single week I'm blown away. I, honestly, probably the thing I'm going to miss the most on vacation, other than being able to do my projects around the yard, is hanging out with you guys. So I'll probably do a couple of impromptu live streams. And guys, as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week. <laughs>